0: What a beautiful reading, both from the messenger and from the message. The power of these words cannot be overemphasized, and yet you may have noticed they begin with an interesting introduction. A lawyer asked Jesus a question in order to test him. If you listen carefully to the way the scripture there is introduced, you get just a sense that this lawyer who's well-versed in the Torah is a little bit skeptical about the message and or the messenger, in this case, Jesus. It taps into what sadly is quite prevalent, I think, now in our day, and that is this sort of overarching skeptical view of what difference does it make really? This phrase, fake news, is kind of encompassing this feeling, I think, cynicism, skepticism. Does it really matter? Is there any such thing as objective truth? The lawyer's question has within it this huge and very important aspect of what is it all about? What does success in an individual life look like? How do we do this? Why are we here? What is it God expects of us? Is there truth? And Jesus, in responding to this lawyer's question, does what any good rabbi would do. Some of you have heard this before. A man came to his rabbi and he said, rabbi, why is it that you always answer a question with another question? And his rabbi said, why not? (laughs) It's a good method of helping people remember what they already know. Jesus knew that this guy knew the scriptures and he says, you tell me, what is it that Torah says? And so, sure enough, this man responds, quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and Leviticus 19, verse 18. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, Deuteronomy, and love your neighbor as you love yourself, Leviticus. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will, the scripture says, Live. But perhaps a better translation and what Jesus was meaning is, if you get this right, if you do this, you will come alive. If you can love God with everything you are, love your neighbor as you love yourself, you will discover your life is rich and meaningful and filled with purpose. The phrasing here is important, too. The image that this evokes is important for us as followers of Jesus because if you think about what this says, loving God is a vertical relationship. Loving others is a horizontal relationship. Loving self, an inner relationship. It's the shape of cross. So the image of this sense of purpose and hope and meaning, love God, love others, love self, stands at the basis of what we as a congregation hope to journey with over the coming months and years. We're calling it I, We, Thee. We flip it a little bit. We start with this sense of we need to authentically, appropriately learn how to love ourselves. But we discover in that journey that before too long, we recognize that just loving me is not enough. It's important. But we need others in our lives. We need a we, an I with a we. And to form a community and to share and know and be known is vital, but also not enough. We find that that too is insufficient if that community doesn't have a higher purpose and a higher calling. We need the. We need that aspect of loving God with everything we are and everything we have and helping one another be held accountable and challenged as we seek to figure out how to do this. I, we, thee. And what we now are doing as a congregation is to utilize I, we, thee and the the basis of loving God with everything we are and loving our neighbors as we love ourselves to form this now series of principles. I, standing for we want to be a church that is inviting. We want to be a church that is welcoming. We want to be a church that is evangelizing, transforming, helping, encouraging, and engaging. And each of these seven principles have within them a whole range of initiatives that we're hoping as a congregation to work together with. And we start today with the first four, focusing in now on this initial Sense of being together by being a church that is inviting. What does that mean?
1: So there are a couple of different ways that our staff and different church leadership have tried to think about ways we can be inviting. One of them you probably have heard of, but we also want to share the other side of how we're inviting. So we're going to have Matt Snyder, our director of communications, come and share one of the ways we can be an inviting congregation.
2: So inviting, there are a couple of things to think about when it comes to being an inviting church. And one of those is location. And so you have your physical location, which Kristen will talk about a little bit in a second, but that's this physical space. It's where you're sitting right now. It's 308 Claremont Avenue. It's this property. This is our physical location. But then we have this thing nowadays called a digital location. It's something that didn't exist 50 years ago, right? And so digital location is something like your website, digital media, social media, reviews online, um, efforts that go into search engine optimization, things you maybe have never heard of, um, but they're important to creating an inviting space. So one of the ways that I explained it to um, the Fresh Start service and to the staff is that before Somebody my age, a millennial, an elder millennial, um, goes, goes to a physical space, say a restaurant, a new store, or something like that, I'll go online, and I'll do a search, and I'll see what other people say about it. Um, that means there's an important uh, reason to have investment in your digital space, your digital location. Guess what? People do the same thing with our church. Uh, a lot of younger adults, who come through our doors, I ask them, how did you get here? And they're like, well, I went online and I looked you up. Great. So that's a good evidence that, you know, digital location is important. So think of the website uh, as like the front door or the front porch to the physical location. Um, It's someplace where people can go stand. Your digital media, like photos and videos, those are like windows into your digital location. So um, pictures of the choir singing so beautifully or videos of them singing so beautifully. That's digital media. Um, Facebook, social media, uh, reviews that are online, those are social proof that we're credible. We're not terrible people, right? Um, And SEO, search engine optimization, those are things you can do to your website to make it show up on those first page of Google search results. That's a a good example. But I'll I'll share numbers with you, since some of you may like that. Uh, In the last 30 days, uh, we've had 3,788 web searches that led people to our um, church. And so if you go online and you Google First Baptist Church to Cater, uh, it'll pop up a little box on the right-hand side of the screen. And that's what this is calculating, those totals. The number has gone up. I've checked it this morning. So in the last 30 days it's almost 4,000 web searches. Um, 653 of those people took an action as a result of that search. Meaning that in that little box on the right of the search results, they clicked to go to our website, they clicked to find directions on how to get here, or they uh, made a call. They got our phone number and called the church. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, So that's pretty pretty neat. And then 3,459 unique visitors to our church website. So that's uh, almost 3,500 individual persons who went to our church website. That's a lot in the last month. That's pretty good for a church. Um, especially one here like ours. So those those are examples of, that's just kind of evidence that, hey, digital location matters. There are thousands of people that come our way. And if you add it up over a quarter, over a year, it's tens of thousands of people. It's pretty impressive. So next slide uh, talks a little bit about the social media growth. So think social proof. So if you're active on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the churches, um, that, that wins credibility to us. So... In the last year and a half since I've been doing this stuff, uh, here we've had a 22% increase on Facebook uh, over the past year. So that's the number of people who are following us, engaging with us, that kind of thing. Last month, our reach was up 108% on Facebook, meaning the number of people who actually saw our posts. And then and engagement was up 293% in July, which that's the number of people who are liking photos, sharing photos, commenting on statuses and updates and things like that. That really helps uh, me and my job (laughs) uh, because Facebook's changed the way that things work and so people only see stuff when you interact with it for the most part. So it's really important for you to do that, it also makes us more credible in the digital space. I don't know if that makes sense, I hope it does. But all that to say, uh, it's really important that we invest time and energy into making our digital location an inviting space because so much of the the newer generations that are coming up, that's where they go first before they come to a physical space.
1: Thank you, Matt. So once uh, folks have done their research online and have found our digital location and they show up, what next? Clearly, we have an incredible incredible physical location, the amount of space that we have in buildings and our proximity to downtown Decatur. This campus is an incredible gift that we have been given. But just as important as the digital location and our physical location are the personal ways that we invite people to join us. Uh, Over the course of this summer, the pastoral staff heard so many stories of you all inviting friends or family to come join us for worship. Maybe it was because you love jazz music and you have a friend who loves jazz music and so you said, my church is doing this really neat thing, please come and listen and see what happens. And so personal invitations are just as important and a huge piece to being an inviting congregation. Uh, this past week, when we were in staff meeting, Kelsey, our uh, pastor to youth and families, said that they had 25 youth that were in Sunday school uh, a week ago. They're giving fist bumps up, you know, they're all excited up there. There's, yeah. Uh, so that's a great number. That's the most that she has had since she started here a couple months ago, and the highest number we've seen in a while. Part of that is because several of our youth brought friends to church last Sunday, Uh, Noah Visser is one of our rising sixth grader or current sixth graders. He has risen uh, to sixth grade. Uh, And he brought a friend to church and there were a handful of other folks that uh, did too. And so our children are bringing guests. You all are bringing guests. And that is just incredibly important. Uh, Over the course of this summer, we journeyed through the book of Acts, and we heard stories of how the early church was finding ways to be invited into spaces. Uh, And they were being invited, but then once they got there, they were inviting people to join them. And so as we uh, go about our work today, the challenge is just the same, for us to invite folks to join us on this journey of our faith and to come to this place and to uh, play a part in this Uh, As we go about our lives, how can we find ways to be church together, and how can we be challenged to be a church that is inviting for all when they come to worship with us?
0: It's a great challenge to be a place that is inviting. But suppose we're inviting as we have been and (laughs) are and will be, and those that we've invited come and don't feel very welcome. Therefore, we're called to be a welcoming church. When people arrive here to feel embraced that folks are actually glad I have shown up. They want to know my name. They, they want to invite me to be more deeply involved. I feel welcomed when people in this space start in, uh, introducing me to their friends. I feel welcomed when I feel like people care that I'm here.
1: When you come to this campus, which is what I call the whole space that we have, our physical location, it can be a little overwhelming, maybe a little bit daunting to know where you're supposed to go. Uh, If you are a person who has gone to church before and has been active in church, you might realize that, well, that shape kind of looks like it might be a sanctuary, and that's the front of the church, so I'll come in those doors. But you might see people that are entering in on either one of the side doors, too. There's so many ways to get into this space. And then once you come onto the hallway... There's doors everywhere, and there's multiple buildings. So how do you know where to go once you are here? So one of the ways that we hope we can be welcoming is by uh, directing people where to go. You may have noticed last Sunday um, uh, some new additions to the hallway downstairs. If you haven't, then I hope you pay attention when you go out. Uh, There are these giant, like six-and-a-half-taller-than-me banners uh, that help families with children know where they are supposed to go. Because if you are a parent with young children and you're coming to a place, the first thing you're going to look for is the bathroom because you need to know where to take your kid when they need to go to the bathroom. But then you want to know where to take them where they are safe. But our children's area is not on that main hallway. It's in a separate building. And so we have tried to uh, direct folks so they know where they are supposed to go when they come to the building How many other ways can we do that to help direct people uh, if there's not a physical person there? However... Uh, There's nothing like a warm, friendly face to greet you. Uh, We have wonderful greeters that do a great job greeting folks as they come into the sanctuary on Sunday mornings. But what happens if you come in at 1130 because you were trying to find a parking spot? Or if you're coming in on Wednesday nights and you got stuck in traffic and you didn't arrive until 645 or 7 and you have no idea where to go? Having a person or a group of people in the hallway that is a smiling face to welcome folks into the building is such an important thing.
0: So, we are called to be an inviting church. We're called to be a welcoming church. But the caution flag that we raise here is, so we invite people, we welcome them into the space, and then what if they arrive here and there's not much of substance? What if it's just sort of boring? What if nobody really cares? What if there's nothing really to celebrate? The early church had much to celebrate as we have today, and that is there is this exciting idea that God is doing something in our lives and in the world, in the Gospels. They called it Evangelion. Today we simply call it, we are called to be an evangelizing church. It comes from this powerful Greek word, Evangelion. It simply means good news. God has done something amazing in Jesus, and God is still doing something in you and in me. There's this sense of of hope and purpose that resonates through this powerful word, and you and I are called to be an evangelizing church, a place where we share and express the powerful good news of God. And the fact that, as Dorothea said so beautifully a few weeks ago, the whole purpose of having missionaries throughout the world and the whole purpose of of being called to be a missionary is to say this simple thing, God loves you. Well, evangelizing as a church boils down to what Susan Bennett did a few weeks ago, and that is she heard what Dorothea said and what we proclaimed in the sermon that Sunday, God loves you, and she left from here and she went to the grocery store and was going through the checkout line. I'm going to talk to Susan later about shopping on the Sabbath. But for today, the the good news was she was going through the, the, the checkout line and she gets to the woman who's the checkout lady and she says, today we learned in church the good news of the gospel is God loves you. Susan said the lady's expression changed and she said, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. You'll, you'll never know what a difference that made. Well, the next week, Susan went back to the same store, same checkout lady in the checkout line. Susan goes through with the groceries, and the woman looked at her and said, what is the word for today? Fortunately, Susan had listened to the sermon, and she said... <laughs> This is a warning. She said, Well, it was on uh, women today. It was on Lydia, the 16th chapter of Acts. She said it was about women and how God uses women to change the course of history. And she said, I needed to hear that. (laughs) Well, now there's a rhythm going on. So every week, Susan's got to go back to the same grocery store. (laughs) This is an evangelizing church. This is a proclamation of good news. Now, A couple of years ago, some of you are familiar with the situation in Charlotte, North Carolina, where Beth and I came from. There were a series of riots in downtown Charlotte. They were resulting from the very difficult situation of racial inequality and some tensions that were just beneath the surface. White folks in Charlotte thought Charlotte was this progressive great place where everything was fine but African-American folks knew it was a little bit different story. There were ceilings, there were divisions, there were hurts and scars. It was a hard time. There was a lot of concern about how do we make this work? And some of us pastors got together and began to say, maybe we need to challenge our folks to be proactive. So at our church at Providence, we, at the end of a service, simply said this week, when you go out to eat, look for somebody in the restaurant where you are who happens to be a little different from you, a different race, different background. Go to them and ask, would it be okay if I paid for your meal? See what happens. The next few weeks, stories began to filter in that were quite beautiful. People saying, you wouldn't believe what happened. I mean, there were tears, there were conversations, there were bridges that seemed like they were being built. People said, why are you buying my meal? And we said, well, our church feels like God is calling us to be reconcilers and it opened the door for some truth to be told of the difficulties people felt were happening. A little bit of healing began to take place. The power of being an evangelizing church is recognizing that good news isn't always packaged in a smiling, happy package, but it's sometimes profoundly healing and quiet a whispered word of understanding and compassion. The power of being an inviting church that welcomes with open arms and proclaims gladly, proudly, humbly, God is doing something in our midst. God loves you and me. And that makes all the difference, changes everything.
1: So once we've heard the good news, the hope is that we then become transformed. We recently heard the story about a group of people who lived in the city of Antioch. These group were refugees, folks that had been displaced from where they were and were seeking shelter. And as these folks were just going about their regular lives, similar to Lydia, they crossed paths with a group of people that shared this good news with them. And so this ragtag group of refugees that heard this good news didn't just hear the good news, they felt the good news, and they were transformed. They were moved to do something because of this transformation. This is the first time that we see folks called Christians in the New Testament, and their lives were transformed because of the news they shared, and then they went out and they continued to transform the world around them. Much like the groups that David mentioned in Charlotte that tried to find reconciliation, this group of refugees worked to reconcile differences between Jews and Gentiles in the early church. Sometimes transformation looks like stepping outside of our comfort zones. It looks like something big, something that will completely change our lives for the better. But sometimes personal transformation can be something small— It can be just your quiet presence in the life of someone around you. And if our collective personal transformations come together, the ways that we can transform the community of Decatur and the cities around us can be incredible. Sometimes a small gesture like telling someone that God loves you, much like Susan did with this friend in the checkout line, Telling someone that can transform their lives in ways that you didn't even know was possible or ways you did not expect.
0: Being a transforming church also recognizes that incorporating the good news of God and Jesus Christ into our own lives allows us in a personal way to have more resiliency than we believe possible. An inner strength that we couldn't claim on our own, but came from beyond us. Our family has this story my mother shared, sadly, a few years ago before my father died. He suffered for about eight years with dementia and Alzheimer's. It was one night late that my father woke up in the middle of the night and thought my mother was an intruder. He wanted to try to call the police. And my mother kept saying, Honey, I've, I've been your wife for 53 years. Don't you lie to me, he said. I have no idea who you are. And this went on for hours. And my mother was just brokenhearted, devastated, angry, just all the emotions flowing in. Finally, after hours, got him settled down and back to bed. And she said in the midst of her despair, thinking it's not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. She said this tune began to resonate in her spirit. The tune Danny Boy. And words began to flow. My mother, all her life, has been a, a poet and a composer. And all of a sudden, these words began to coalesce in her heart. And she said she just started writing down in the middle of her despair and her discouragement. And these words to the tune of Danny Boy began to just form themselves on the page. I've asked Eddie and Daniel if they will share these words with you now in this sense of God's good news in our hearts that transforms us and makes us resilient in spite of the difficulties.
3: To the sky where countless whirling galaxies on the blazing suns forever send their light, where brilliant hues fade into sunset's majesty. And the moonbeams dance across the dark of night. Look to the sky; the storm clouds burst with energy. A lovely rainbow arches through the squall. A million stars stretch out into infinity. Look to the sky and worship God who made it all. In your heart beyond the sin and sorrow, and see again the miracle of grace. God loves us now, and in the bright tomorrow, receive with joy a welcoming embrace, look in your heart and find a deep serenity, the Holy Spirit's presence shining through. worship God who lives in you, look in your heart and worship God who lives.
0: To be an inviting church, a welcoming church, an evangelizing church, a transforming church, a helping church, an encouraging church, an engaging church. We have shared the first four this week. Next week we will share the final three as we seek together to discover God's calling in each of our lives and in our congregation together. If God has spoken to you this day, we open this time as an opportunity to come forward and allow us to celebrate with you what God is doing in your heart and your spirit and in this community of faith. Let us stand together as we sing our hymn of invitation.